0: Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. I'm Kim Menninger and I am so grateful that you are here. It's now been more than a year since I started this podcast, and I can't tell you how much I've learned and grown from the conversations that we've had here. As you may have heard me share, I have struggled with imposter syndrome and anxiety for much of my life, so this is a very personal journey for me. I do this podcast because I want us to share our stories with each other and to stop suffering in silence. Imposter syndrome is a pretty universal human experience and nothing we should be ashamed of. By listening to or supporting this podcast, you're helping me to advance my mission of destigmatizing this conversation and making it safe for everyone to be vulnerable and get the support they need. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support this mission even further, please consider subscribing. And if you feel inclined to leave a five-star review, this really does help raise the visibility of the podcast so that others can find us. And please consider sharing with your friends. Lastly, if you have a story you'd like to share, connect with me anytime. I would be happy to interview you. Thanks again for being here. Welcome, Ivna. I can't wait to have this conversation with you today. We kind of started a little bit before we hit record, but before we do that, I would love to invite you to introduce yourself to us. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, thank you, Kim. And I love what you're doing here. It's absolutely phenomenal. And we all go through this. Um, So, I my name is Ivna Curry, and I am the currently the CEO and founder of a company called Assertive Way. Where we empower you to empower yourself with positive assertiveness skills, and we really focus on the professional side for women. Um, and we were talking earlier about women in male-dominated fields. That's an area that, as you, I've been through and I've um, lived that reality, and it's it's not easy. And so it's definitely uh, an area. You know, the, the kind of uh, not only women in male dominated environments, but women in general who want to speak up, but are they feel a little bit scared of doing so, that you know are held back a little bit. And um, I also work with minorities, um, immigrants, you know, Asians, um, folks who generally have a hard time speaking up because, and women, obviously because they're they're scared of that, like we were talking about that backlash effect. Um, and that's why it's even more important to learn how to stand up for yourself in a positive, kind, respectful way, which we will be talking about soon. So yes, and my background is um, in engineering uh, uh, analytics. I worked in the corporate uh, sector for a while and um, I had a few teams, um, worked in different continents, not you know just in the US. So all of that has helped me um, get into this whole assertiveness thing and and decide that this is the path that I want to um, take moving forward. And it's such an important skill that I decided this is something that I want everybody to learn. Um, and it's not you know taught at school or anywhere. So that's why I've gotten into this.
0: I love I love 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 what you're doing and that you're you're teaching people something that we not only haven't learned, but that we often misunderstand, I think, and um, are sometimes afraid of. And, you know, I'm going to ask you a lot more about what you do and how you think about assertiveness. But before we do that, I'd love to get your thoughts on what imposter syndrome means to you and whether or not it's ever shown up for you in your work or in your life. It's showed up
1: all the time. (laughs) It's, it's, it has always been there, and you you learn to to manage it. Well, at least that's what was what happened for me. And for me, the way I like to describe it, it's it's confusion, right? Um, it's a lot of confusion that we go through that causes us to ruminate and overthink things. It's confusion about what we have to offer the the our talent, the potential we have and how it's perceived by others it's confusion around what matters in that moment in that interaction in that conversation it's it's really a lot of confusion and I think that if we focused more on on clarifying things um, to reduce that confusion I think would be a lot easier and that's a path that I've I've followed and it showed up to me it, I mean it showed up in my life in my career mainly um, always <laughs> and Maybe, maybe I can share an example. Sure. Um, when I was in my third job, but still fairly young, 20, 25 years old, I I felt like I felt like in this job, it was my first manager job, right? The first time managing a team. And I felt like everything was falling apart. Nothing was working. Like everything that came to me and I had to handle was just dismantling. <laughs> And I was like, this is a mess. Like, I'm not doing anything right. And everything was scary. And everybody was complaining. Um, my my team was always upset, and my and my and the people that I was serving were always upset, and my clients were everybody seemed always upset and in in an emergency mode. And I thought, this is, I'm just the worst (laughs) manager on planet earth. (laughs) Like this is this is, I don't even know. You know what's gonna happen to me? I mean, I don't know what my boss thinks of me. This is terrible, and, and that went on for about a year, and and then I I, I wanted to get um, I, I was in that job temporarily because I wanted to get that management experience so that I could apply for an MBA um, of my choice, and I knew that would increase my chances of getting in. And so at that point, I'm like, I am a wreck. I'm terrible but I need the money to finance this thing, this MBA. So I don't know where to get. I had tried all routes. I said, I'm going to ask my boss for money. And it had been like, not even a year. And I said, I, but I said, no, there's no way he's going to pay for this. Cause I'm, I would have to leave the job. And, and I'm a terrible performer, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I don't have another option. And this is, and the desire for that, experience uh, with that in specific NBA was so big that I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to do it. I don't have another alternative right now. And to my surprise, not only did my boss say yes, not immediately, but you know, within a month he said yes, but he also started to compliment me so much and say so wonderful things, like just give me so much positive feedback. And this was my favorite boss of, of my entire life. Cause he always gave me a lot of support, but but then because he started to, to tell me all these great things of what he appreciated in, in me, I started to realize that, you know, there even though I thought everything was falling apart, I, I could see through his eyes why he thought I was doing extraordinarily well. Mm. And it was one of those moments where I, you know, I always go back to that sometimes and think, you know, sometimes I'm not, things look messy and I look, I feel incompetent. But somebody out there, usually my boss or or somebody in the company, sees something else, and I want to find out what it is that they see. And and I make it a point to figure out what they see because they see something that I can't see. They see potential that I can't see. They see. In, in my boss, in my case, he said, "I keep throwing you all the problem, the biggest problems that I have, and you keep handling everything, and you keep absorbing it, and you handle it with." poise and it seems like you just you, you just you're in infinite you have infinite ability of resolving problems and i did not see that at all so you know it, it's it was a fascinating experience for me
0: i love what you're saying about and what i'm what i'm sort of thinking about is we're so attuned to our behind the scenes messiness right but that's true for everyone, right? And if you think about the impression that we have of other people, we don't see how they got to what they're producing, right? We just see the <laughs> finished product in many cases. And so I love that you're recognizing that there's a distinction between how you see yourself and how other people see you, and that it's important to understand that, to, to ask for that information.
1: Yes, Yes, absolutely ask. And that's part of the confusion part. And, you know, I had that experience early on, but that doesn't mean that the imposter syndrome left. Mm. You know, my next job and the other job and the next job, <laughs> it just yeah. keeps coming back like a boomerang. <laughs> but now I have tools. I have tools. Like you said, that's one of them, right? To to, to undo this confusion is like ask people for what they think try to understand i know it's a scary thing like right? you you think if you if you bring attention to yourself then they're going to fire you for sure <laughs> cuz then you're going to bring attention to all your faults and everything that you do wrong and everything that's not good like aren't we all scared sometimes you know those of us that suffer from imposter syndrome of uh, annual performance review
0: mhm yes it's like yeah. so scary. Well, and it's interesting because if fear is the driver, which it often is, right? We we overestimate the consequences of just addressing that question head on, right? It feels super scary and super risky, but to me, the the constant anxiety of wondering and not being sure, am I doing this right? Right? Did, what do the other people think of me? is Far more painful than the the moments of discomfort that you feel when you're starting that that feedback conversation. At least you walk out of there with concrete information that you can do something with.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I actually think about that a lot when I'm 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 feeling like an imposter because I think you know what this rumination, this overthinking, that's consuming me that's, I I literally think of it as it's sucking my energy away, my productivity, my ability to be great, to do great things, to add value. And it's it's just reducing you to such a small (laughs) entity. And 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 it's a lot because of that withdrawal, like like we, we kind of withdraw from the situation, from everything. And it's just not, it's not very helpful. It's like, it, it's almost reminds me, just thought of this right now, um, you know, when some people go through depression mm-hmm. and instead of opening up to the world and seeking out support and seeking out people and seeking out more, they kind of go into their little hut and hide. Yeah. And
0: sometimes we tend to do that. And just, that just makes things worse. Yes, you're exactly right. We make our worlds really small and we isolate ourselves from the resources that can help us feel better. The resources
1: and and just tapping into the reality because the more we get into our head, the less we're able to see reality. Yes, and the reality often is we're actually doing a lot of things very well. Otherwise, we wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't, you know, be usually something that uh, I was talking to this lady who felt like she was again not doing very well and um, just in her head as well. And, and I asked her like, what, why do you think she's like, I'm terrible. I'm not good. It's like, why do you think your, your boss hired you? Mm -hmm. Like, what did they see? What did, what did your boss see in you? And then she's like, Oh, and then in that moment, like she realized there were all these positive qualities that her boss actually saw in her during the interview that hired her for and that's that she had to tap into that like like let that be let yourself those qualities come through we don't have to be perfect in you know every way and we tend to think that we do but opening up and seeking that clarity and asking our bosses and our clients and our peers for constant feedback and here's the thing when you also do really good things, like when you think you perform relatively okay, I would say that's a great time to ask for feedback because you're going to get reinforcing positive messaging and that's going to help you get out of that.
0: Mm, that's a great point. Now, I have a question for you. Are, is this your definition of assertiveness or is there more to it? Like, what, what does assertiveness mean to you in terms of how you have gotten to the work that you do today? Oh, yes. Thank
1: you for asking me
0: that question. This is one of the
1: things that most people (laughs) misunderstand. And and it doesn't, like, even folks who have have really great education, right, have been in the marketplace for a very long time. When I ask them, what does assertiveness mean to them? I always get answers that are, or negative, generally (laughs) negative. And when I ask women, you know, what does assertiveness mean to you? Do you aspire to be assertive? They're like, no, I don't want to be assertive. <laughs> I'm like, why don't you want to be assertive? This, because of this negative uh, stigma around it. So what assertiveness means is basically to speak your mind, to share your thoughts, your desires, your request to defend yourself, to advocate for yourself, to speak up, to to share what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what what you're hearing, what you wish to what your passions are share your dreams share your goals talk about yourself and and what's in your world in a way that is polite that is respectful that is thoughtful that is considerate towards others and without feeling anxiety about it without feeling like overthinking it without having to get all worried about it which often is what we
0: do right yeah and we're where do you think that anxiety comes from? Why is this so hard? Well, it's, it's hard because of that pattern
1: that we have um, growing up sometimes as a child, especially for women, but also certain people from certain cultures when they have to, like a lot of Asians, when they come into, or even some uh, African cultures, you know, let's say when they come to a Western culture, it's very different. It's very open. Um, but for women and women in particular, as your, as your child. And like, for me, this was the case. You had to like be quiet. Like you couldn't speak up. And, and if you, you know, being a good girl meant nodding your head and saying yes and listening and um, always being pleasant and not questioning authority for other, other cultures it's about not questioning authority um, and not speaking your mind openly, not being negative, you know, and all these things, that we're taught. And we think that that's the way, to, that's how people are going to accept us. That's how we're going to be safe. That's how, um, for me, a huge thing was being obedient, like a young, obedient girl. Like I did what I was told. Um, if, if there was a classical example, right. If there was food, um, on my, that was given to me on a plate, I, I couldn't question that food. I couldn't say anything negative about that food. I had to eat that food. And it was only by in my mid twenties that I realized that I could say no to food, like to something that people served me and I didn't want to eat it. Like, I, I had, <laughs> I could say, no, I could express that I didn't like the food and
0: that was okay. Yeah. That obedience piece is so powerful. And I talk about this a lot too, that good girl um, sort of standard that we have been conditioned to think about and if that is the mindset that you bring into the workplace right that basically your boss is like a parent that you don't question or an authority Mm. figure that you never push back on you accept at face value what's asked of you it's going to be really hard to advocate for yourself it's going to be really hard to um, set boundaries to negotiate. I mean, all of the things that we kind of associate with leadership and self-advocacy become less available to you if your way of operating is one of making your, your boss happy at any expense.
1: Absolutely. And so you're going to suffer a lot internally as an individual contributor. And then as a manager, you're going to make your team suffer.
0: Hmm. Absolutely. So what do we do? do? And I know this is not a a problem we can solve in, you know, a 30-minute conversation. But but if you sort of level of what's the starting point for somebody who identifies with this notion of a good girl? Wants to be more assertive, but can't find the the point at which those two things intersect.
1: First of all, I would say figure out what type of person you want to be. And for me, it was a realization that everybody called me nice. Everybody described me as nice. I was a nice person. I was nice. Nice. You know, I always was described and thought myself as a nice girl, just a nice person. And that's how people would refer to me as. And I said, no, you know, that's not what I want to be anymore. And I allowed that to actually become anger at some point. I'm not, I never, I hardly ever feel anger, but that one of the things around assertiveness is that allowing yourself to feel certain things is a positive sign because you can use that negative, you know, energy like that, that anger or that frustration to fuel action, to fuel doing something about it. And at that point I started to reflect, okay, what is it that I want to be? If not nice, how do I want to be seen and treated and, 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 um, by other people. Right. And for me, that was, I, I looked at tons of objectives and I thought, you know what, I want to be respected and I want to be respectful. And out of all of those words that I found, it's like respected and respectful. But right now, I'm not being respected. Being nice does not get earn me respect, and does not earn respect for my team, and does not earn. It does not get the the mo, the best out of me, and of what I can deliver to the world. And so, from that moment, things also started to shift because I'm like, is this action that I'm taking right now respectful and Allowing others to respect me or earning respect from others, and often all of those things that I considered nice were not earning respect. Were not something that would give me the object, uh, the 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 objective of you know being respected, of being someone who is respected. So that was a, a huge change as a, as the starting point of kind of changing. It wasn't really the starting point of assertiveness for me, but I think that's a great place for people to um, to start thinking about what they want to be and gaining that clarity.
0: I love what you're saying about this idea of being respected and respectful because I think sometimes we think that it's an either-or proposition, right? Like I can either be nice or I can be respected, and that's often how we've been conditioned to think but what you're describing is <clears throat> i can be respected and at the same time be respectful of other people <clears throat> excuse me and i think that's what i that's how i frame assertiveness in my own mind is that i'm not just honoring your needs and values and you know what's in, what makes you feel respected but i'm at the same time honoring my own oh yes
1: Yes, so for example, a nice person might not disagree, but a respectful and respected person would disagree and would disagree in the right polite, thoughtful way. A nice person might not say no, but a respected and respectful person would say no and would know how to do it in a in in a proper way. That would be a win-win for both. Mm-hmm. A, a, a nice person would not um you know, would not make a decision that is um, is a hard decision that feels harsh or would give negative feedback, for example, in, in a very clear way. But a, a respected and respectful person knows that that's the right thing to do sometimes. And they would do so in a very humane, dignified way. And that's the, the subtle difference.
0: Well, I love how you attach it to who you want to be as well, because I think, you know, most of us would like to think of ourselves as nice people, right? We don't want to be the opposite of that, but oftentimes in our effort to be nice, what we're really doing is just being safe and being safe doesn't help us to achieve our goals. And it also doesn't advance the goals of the organization as well, right? I mean, our unwillingness to take risks or to address things that we disagree with, it it deprives people of our unique perspective and the strengths and the expertise that we bring to the table.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, and, and sometimes the issue is that we don't feel like we have anything valuable to share or to say, right? <laughs> Even though we do, we have that feeling that maybe we don't have something or maybe that our rights are not, uh, or we don't deserve to be at the table or that we don't deserve. That's often like what happens, right? Sometimes when we have imposter feelings is I don't know, I don't deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and one of the things that I find that is very helpful as well is when you have, when you have something uh, much and again it goes back to the clarity theme when you have clarity around what you want and why you want it and you want it so bad then that trumps all of that fear and uh, and, and, and unwillingness to claim <laughs> claim space and claim what's yours and that could be that desire could be a strong desire to achieve something so in my case I wanted that and yeah, I wanted the you know, when I uh, applied for the first time to be uh, when I asked for the first time for a position so I could manage a team right, with no experience, I was feeling like the worst employee ever as an analyst. Like I was totally feeling like I, I just did not deserve it. But even though sometimes it's hard to so, uh, to make to change. A feeling on its own. But what I encourage people to do, and especially with assertiveness, is to speak up more, do more, take more action, even if you feel the imposter syndrome, because by doing that, you're going to help create more clarity and it's going to slowly wear off. It's a very hard thing just to dissipate <laughs> imposter by thinking about it, you know, and, and for me, my experience is taking action based on usually it's a very deep desire for something greater and for me that was okay once one was an international I wanted an international career so that was a huge deep desire that trumped everything else the other one was my team I wanted to, to support my team I wanted to empower my team I was so connected I said I have to do everything it takes and I'm willing to do what it takes to help my team grow and develop and I realized I was getting into, my imposter syndrome was getting in the way and so that shift in focusing on what you want helped me navigate through that fear through that feeling of not being enough and not deserving that and not um not deserving a seat at the table or my voice not being meaningful and and doing what i had to do and then when you when you do it when you speak up and when you share and when you talk about your your desires and your needs and your wants and what you're not, what you don't like and you're in, and, and all of that, then suddenly people start to respond to you and you get cues and usually you get a lot of positive cues. You get more eye contact from people, from senior people, people that you respect. You get more com- People talk, people say your name more often, you know, in, in, in the meeting or in conversations or in emails uh, or messaging they start to refer to your ideas more. And then when you start to see that people are acknowledging you and what you say and what you bring to the table, then you start to feel like maybe I do belong here.
0: Mm. Oh, I love what you're saying. And it reminds me of what I, how I think about this because I couldn't agree with you more on this idea of knowing what you want first, because fear will always be there. Fear will always be there whenever we're, going into something that's uncomfortable or uncertain. And so we have to know what's bigger than the fear. And what you're talking about is exactly what I mean by what's bigger than the fear, right? If I know what I want and I know what it takes to get there, then I have a motivation for facing that fear, right? For if I don't know what I want and I'm not sure what I bring to the table and there's a lot of ambiguity around who I am and why I'm here, There isn't that internal motivation to push through the fear. The motivation is to just hide, right? Just hope that no one else finds out, right? (laughs) But if I know what I want, what's my mission here, right? Now I know that I have to play bigger in order to achieve that. And what you're describing is exactly right. You behave differently and other people respond differently. And that creates its own self-perpetuating effect. And now I'm building these muscles, so to speak, Right by doing that, I wouldn't have built. Like I always say, this right? Confidence doesn't come first. (laughs) You don't wait until you're confident to do something. You do something and then you build confidence along the way.
1: Yes, yes. Do, 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 do. I'm all about the do. Mm -hmm. When I say do, is like do. Speak up. Show yourself. Get out there. Be visible instead of hiding. The more you show up, the more you are visible to others. The more you do you allow yourself to shine and be seen even if you feel like okay you know what i'm going to be fired now they're going to really see how terrible i am how inadequate i am right i you know i know there are people when i i try to encourage people to speak up in meetings a lot right cuz that's something that i that all my team members had struggled with i struggled at the beginning of my career and hiding and not speaking up in a meeting is not doing anybody any Positive, you know, outcomes like you're you're not contributing, you're not bringing value to the table, and and nobody's getting benefit from you there, and you're not gonna you're not gonna your career is gonna get stuck right because you're not being heard and seen, and people are thinking that you're just a puppet there in the room. But what happens is we start overthinking things, and we want every single thing that we say to be the most the most intelligent, you know, smart thoughtful comment ever and when you stop and something that I did a lot in my career at the beginning was sometimes just to listen to people and see and folks who were being um taken seriously people who were respected and and try to understand and I was I'm very analytical because of my background try to understand the significance everything sounded so important but then I started to break down and think about the significance of the different arguments that they brought to the table, and I realized there wasn't much. <laughs> like it wasn't anything spectacular ever, but they said it, they brought it up. There was, they were always making comments. They were always so. The more they talked, the more likely that one thing out of thirty that they said was going to hit the table, like make people think and sound interesting, and. And, and But if we, we, if we hide and we don't speak up, if we don't share what we have to say, if we don't talk about our goals and our dreams and our vision and our values, then first, we're not allowing people to see who what we bring to the table because we are multifaceted individuals, right? Our value does not come from only our experience. Often it comes from our potential. It comes from our values. It comes from the way we interact with individuals. And if, but then we, we as women think, tend to think, no, it's just based on our experience and on the specific numbers we bring to the table, but there's so much more than that. And if you don't show it to the world, then you'll never see it because they won't, they won't tell you what they appreciate and you won't attract the people. Here's the thing. The more you share, the more you attract the people that value what you have to offer and whatever kind of corporate environment or business you're in.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think this is an important point too, because we're talking about how a lot of how we show up is conditioned in us early in life, whether it's through our parents, our our cultures, other other people's values, right? Have influenced how we show up. And unfortunately, a lot of women in particular have experienced workplace cultures that don't value them for who they are. And so what's really important is that if you do put yourself out there and you start to show up in these more powerful values-driven ways, and it's not welcome or accepted by your manager, your organization, whatever the case may be, that you don't make that about you, that this is really important data to help you realize that this is not an environment where you can thrive, but that is not because of you. That is because the environment isn't structured in a way to appreciate and leverage what you bring to the table. Exactly,
1: and the earlier you figure that out, the better for your career.
0: Hmm. Exactly, yeah, because I think it's so easy to, I mean, so many of us have had those kinds of experiences with, you know, all it takes is to have one bad manager or one bad experience in an organization and to just feel like I have to keep my mouth shut from now on, right? Or um, there's something wrong with me when in actuality, it's not a fit and you have choices. And I think that's really important from a confidence perspective for all of us to remember too, is if it ever reaches the point where it's just not working, you have the power to say, this isn't, this isn't right for me. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I also encourage people, you know, to, to, in order to, to figure these things out, to discover if the fit is there early on and to see if you are willing to do what it takes to thrive in that specific environment you're in is to clarify some of the things that are unspoken early on and often. Because environments change and and the, and the culture changes and you know the, the the people around you change. So one of the the one of the problems with lack of assertiveness is that we we make a lot of assumptions, mm-hmm. and and assumptions are like a, a killer <laughs> of of all good things, right? Of good relationships, of positive impact, and and then they create not only rumination overthinking, but they create aggressive thoughts. So sometimes a nice person is full of aggressive aggressiveness, even though it's unspoken, even though it's not shown. So for example, we make an assumption about, let's say our boss, that they're bad, that they're mean, that they don't, you know, they're not good. They don't understand us. They don't respect us. But we fail to, to, to ask them what is, important to them what they value so we can we can we can you know think to ourselves that our boss cannot see our value they don't recognize us but we never took the time to ask our boss what is important to them what are they looking for what are their expectations what kind of projects or work is valuable to them how do they want to see us perform you know sometimes what I've, I've seen a lot, for example, like for me, it was really important for the team to get out and, and talk to people and interact with the stakeholders a lot more. And I saw that even with my boss, my boss wanted the team members to be out there and, and have these, these dialogue, these conversations to understand what really was needed from the team. A lot of the team members just wanted to sit, you know, in their cubicle and do their analytics work, but that wasn't seen. That wasn't seen as a high value add kind of activity sometimes for the boss. But the individuals thinking that, oh my God, this they're putting all this effort into all this work, but there's not alignment there. And, and the problem is we start judging and blaming and all these things in our head. That that's aggressiveness, even yeah. though we don't say it. We're being aggressive. We're being judgmental because we're not, we're just assuming bad things in people and we're not trying to clarify and build a bridge.
0: Yeah. That's such a great way to look at it because if the goal is to be nice, then we can realize how it's, it can actually be nicer, right? To simply ask the questions and do the scary things than it is to make these kinds of negative assumptions in our own minds about ourselves and others.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I realized as a nice person for a long time, I was nice. I was passive aggressive, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, you know, that silent look that you, <laughs> you're like angry. You're like, you're, you know, you're such a terrible person. And then you, you look at them and you make the face, but you don't, they ask you what's going on. You're like, nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. What's your problem? I think there's a problem. And, and that type of behavior was just so not, that was aggressive. Mm. That was 100% aggressive. Um, or you know, someone shows up late and, and, you, and you start thinking that they're lazy. Mm. You don't say it, but, but then you start treating them like a lazy person. Or a non-reliable person. Sure, they could have communicated better or whatever. But sometimes, if you if you if you look into it and you ask them, you realize that you know they had a sick child um, that's going through a difficult time or something, and you're not having empathy. But to, to have empathy, you have to communicate. Yes.
0: Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness, Ivna. Like I, I could talk to you all day. You have to share so many powerful insights and I think that there's no denying how important assertiveness is to our overall experience at work and certainly to our confidence. Is there anything you would say in closing that you want people to take away from this conversation today?
1: Well I obviously I could keep talking forever. <laughs> I love this topic and thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak about it. Um, but in closing, um, since we do have to close, I would, um, I would like to bring back, you know, the central team theme around for, for to help the imposter syndrome to increase your confidence, to actually be a better person is get rid of those assumptions and seek clarity and when i say seek clarity seek clarity around what people want and why they behave in certain ways give them the benefit of doubt seek clarity around why people chose you for a position if you feel like i'm a, i'm i'm not worthy of being here i have nothing to offer Tr- rem- remind yourself and try to understand or even ask them you know why did you bring me here why did you put me in this project why did you bring me into this position um get clear on on what the what people view as valuable and 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 make sure that there's a al- alignment there uh, and what success means to you get clear on who you are and what you bring to the table and, and what your values are because a lot of of who you are it's not just your deliverables necessarily but it's also the values that you bring into your role into your position into your work um, and and understand that you're more than just that person performing there in the moment right you're bringing value in many different ways So just seek clarity as much as you can and speak up and speak up and share and always, always engage in dialogue. Mm. Always engage in dialogue because you're going to get a lot more out of that and you're going to get out of your cocoon and you're going to get feedback. You're going to get feed, ask for feedback. So just very quickly here, some of the elements of assertiveness are giving and receiving feedback, both positive and negative, like, People who have imposter syndrome tend to be terrible at receiving positive feedback, right? Mm-hmm. That's, you gotta figure that out. Another thing is saying no and establishing boundaries. How to say things that are negative that are, um, sometimes as a leader, you need to give deliver negative news. Um, how do you do that in, in an assertive way? Um, how do you ask for things, be it for resources, for time, for more work-life balance, whatever it is that you need and your team needs to thrive. Um, How do you promote yourself, right? Without bragging, (laughs) Mm -hmm. bragging a little bit, but how do you self-promote and and promote your work and and your team's work in in positive ways? All those things are about engaging, speaking up, staying in dialogue, getting feedback going. Every time you talk, every time you speak up, share your ideas you'll get some sort of feedback, a look, a comment, uh, an invite for something, right? The the reason why you invited me is because you probably saw me speaking about something (laughs) somewhere. And so you have to share your voice and that's going to give you a lot of clarity as well. And that's going to help you defeat (laughs) imposter syndrome.
0: Absolutely. Excellent, excellent advice. I, i am going to include your information in the show notes too. So if anybody wants to learn more from you and follow up with you, your information will be there. But thank you so much, Edna. This has been such a great conversation. Yeah. Thank, thank
1: you, Kim. And this is wonderful what you're doing. Um, and I, I'm sure you're helping a lot of women um, in this world to feel more confident. So thank you for your amazing work.
0: Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to stay connected, please join the Leading Women Discussion Group, which meets every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. This is a place where women come together to discuss questions or challenges related to leadership development and career management. It's a great place to learn from, support, and connect with other women on similar journeys. In addition to the weekly calls, we also have a Facebook group and a Slack channel where we stay connected and support each other please join us there too. You can check out the show notes for the links. Before we wrap up, if you like this podcast, I would love to share another podcast with you that I know you will enjoy. Do you ever find yourself playing small? Do you wanna take risks, but in the end you end up taking the safe route? Does your inner critic keep you from reaching your full potential? As counterintuitive as it often feels, We don't become confident first and then take action. It's through our actions that we build our confidence. That's why one of the greatest ways to manage imposter syndrome is by taking brave and bold action. If you want inspiration and insights to help you to take action and to be brave at work, then my friend and colleague Jen Pestikas' Brave Women at Work podcast is for you. Jen and I met when we interviewed each other for our podcast and I knew instantly that Jen and I shared a similar worldview and a commitment to empowering women to be our best selves. On her podcast, Jen digs into common challenges such as perfectionism, boundary setting and burnout, all to empower us to shift our mindsets and play bigger in the workplace. You can find the Brave Women at Work podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Visit the show notes for the relevant links. Thanks again, and please stay in touch.